Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast where your big questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. And joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. Oh, dude, I'm pinwheeling. Okay. I just heard Lee say that earlier and it seemed really cool. But that was in reference to the, the Apple thing where, you, where you refer, or you're just trying to make that happen? Yeah, it just sounded cool. Like ma- internally you're pinwheeling. That's right. Like it's a person. Right, right. <laughs> sure, sure. That's I deep. think that means like, you know, I'm really doing great. No, that's actually no, the, that's opposite the opposite. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But, but I think that would work. You got to give me a minute. I'm pinwheeling here. Yeah. Yeah. No I new guess. input for a minute. No, That's there are right. definitely right. moments where people that. want to ask me for information and I just. I'm pinwheeling. Yeah, dude. I'm pinwheeling, man. It's just <laughs> not there. Because, but you could be contemplating some really cool things while it's happening. That's true. Sure. I don't have time for your drama, man. I'm pinwheeling over here. I'm just, I don't I'm think that's... I'm just pinwheeling on Jesus. No, Whoa. I don't that's... think that's quite it, man. It's not okay. Really what well, that I'll, means. I'll work on it. Okay. Sure, we'll workshop it. Yep. Okay, yeah. A man who's been known to pinwheel from time to time in a number of avenues of life, Jed Brewer, the director of Mission USA Productions. I am definitely pinwheeling. And the man who unwittingly apparently started a whole new Christian craze, joining us all the way from Mercury, Tennessee, one of the pastor Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. I'm back, folks. I'm back on the show. Making a tribe for a turn. Now, were you not here last time, Lee? Oh my gosh! Did not you the last not couple. Do it under no. protest. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I generally. Glenn do it does under so protest. many things under protest. It's hard yeah. to keep track. Yeah, usually, at this point. it would be unusual if I wasn't under uh, protest. The people so. at the McDonald's don't even bother asking anymore. Why does he mean he's ordering a cheeseburger under protest? Yeah, <laughs> it's like. Is any any activity Lee's not there for? Glenn does under protest. So that's it really right. is a a bit of a wave. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, so I like to let's you know what you want to jump right in, get to the get list, and right to it. That sounds good to me. Well, well, Glennard, I wish that we could. Whoa! But <laughs> it brings out the full name. Yeah. No, it's serious. We have That's Jedrick. How you know it's serious. You're right, Jedrick Levert Glennard. I brought you all here to discuss something, <laughs> <laughs> and that is not only an emergency because occasionally it happens every once in a while. We'll have an emergency. Well, you, normally we get we get right to it, but you know sometimes it's an emergency. And okay, but I have here an even rarer creature than that. Because I have to declare a mystery emergency. Ooh. What? A mystery. A mystery emergency. I'll let you know, folks, I'll let you know what I mean by that. So it's a mystery. We have the Say That inbox. It's populated with your questions most of the time, which we're happy to answer, pass them along on the show. But every once in a while, someone sends us something that is not so much a question <laughs> as a incredibly inappropriate observation they feel unsafe expressing to anyone else in Christendom. Yep. Right. And they see or read something awful. Right. Or that inspires an awful thought in themselves. Right. And they think, well, I can't tell any of my respectable friends about this. Right. Who would enjoy this? The say that, guys. Yep. And, and, and here, you know what? You're not wrong. No, you're not. Here's right. the thing about that is you're totally correct. <laughs> yes, you are absolutely are. You've come to the right place. I have a feeling we'll get into this in future episodes. Uh, an example of this is uh, we had a friend, Kenneth, from uh, the Carolinas, I believe. Sit, he opened up his Netflix. He and his wife were sitting down to watch something on the Netflix. And the first thing in the new section was a movie called Christian Mingle. Right. Which we have uh, roundly mocked. Yeah. And he thought, who can I have a safe space to admit, A, that I know what Christian Mingle is, yeah. and B, that I made it, I 
clicked on it with the intent of laughing at it and made it two minutes in before we bailed. Yeah. Right. Because you can't tell your Christian friends about that. No. They won't understand. We, you know, people yeah. worked really hard on that movie. Maybe That's that right. Hard to do it. They were trying the best they could. That yeah. movie has a perspective. Did you ever think about that? That's right. All right. But you email in to say that, guys, and we're on your team. That's right. That's right. When you want to lay down the serious snark, yeah, that's, that's we're, absolutely true. We're right there. We're like a superhero team of snark, uh, you know. The snarktastic fours. We, we are yeah. snarktastic four. The snark men. Do you have something <laughs> that you find hilarious but makes you feel like a bad person for laughing at it? Yeah. We're on the case. We are there. <laughs> Welcome to our daily lives. Send that in on the hotline. That's Fire right. up the snark mobile. Fire yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that's yeah. Not not rehearsed, folks. They just went into that. Glenn in in harmony. Yeah, I think that that deserved a clink. Okay, uh, we just I will point out our sodas. Yeah, orange orange and cream soda, respectively. (laughs) (laughs) I know it sounds like sometimes we're we're a little half in the bag on the podcast, but we're not. I'll tell you another thing. (laughs) No, (laughs) I rebuke that. But. Believe it or not, folks, and given the exchanges that happened, even we have limits. Yeah, we really do. And now our limits are not of awful things we enjoy. We've yet to find any limit on that. Oh, no, right, that's right. But there are things that we realize we can't say on the podcast. Right. Believe it or not. So. Well, that's an emergency. It is. So it's also an emergency. That have to, we have to find a way to relay this. Okay. Without wow. the gravity of it, the joy it gave us. Right. Without giving the specifics. Right. There's a lot so of joy. Our man, Matt, from Carolina, he was a student, college student on there. He's driving around, and he sees maybe the – and we've all seen the unintentional comedy church sign. You know, yeah. Right. It's like the church secretary is the one who puts it out, yep. but she's a nice six-year-old – church ladies so she doesn't understand the double entendre right that might be going on we've it can be often, kind of taken two different ways absolutely she, she didn't see the other way it could be taken yeah just didn't see the the possibility that someone who's not steeped in church culture and ideology might see a little more nefarious reality right. to this right so our, our man Matt is driving around and he finds maybe the most egregious example of this <laughs> that i can ever ever recall hearing like, for example life. if if there was a church sign that you know like sin will get you in the end yeah, yeah just like that exactly know. right yeah it, it could be like see if you know that at the end you, of a series of circumstances yeah. sin could get to you yeah or sin could get to you in the end yes right yeah no we're, we're tracking with both me yeah we got you because what in some cases <laughs> we got you what happens is when people say in the end yeah, you know right. What they really mean is their posterior. Yes, no, yes. that was so. It could mean two different. Right. Sometimes an immature person would giggle. Sure. At the <laughs> other way. Yes. And we are those people. Yes, we definitely are. We absolutely are. That's why many times we have um, we have pushed for the idea of an official church Trevor. Yeah. We we use Trevor as a catch-all for kind of. All snarky fifteen-year-olds. Yeah. So we also believe that many uh, corporate logos could use this. Anything that's got a catchphrase, that you got to put out in public. You call Trevor in the boardroom and you say, "All right, Trevor, here's a new church sign. Sin will get you in the end." Right. And Trevor goes, "All right, we need a new one." Yeah, so that, uh, exactly. Yeah, kind of very, yeah. A very Beavis and Butthead laugh. You know, we're all out of it. Yeah. This is the key thing. You don't have to know what. Trevor finds funny about it. Right, you yeah. just know this is unacceptable. Yeah. Yeah. If Trevor's yeah. found something, you know, <laughs> yeah, good. you got to. That's very yeah. good. 
Yeah. So we got we got one from him, Matt. And oh, it's I laughed. <laughs> I laughed hard. Right. Then I forwarded it along to these guys. And we laughed. Who all laughed we quite laughed hard. And laughed. That's right. Now, the problem is even we know this is not a series of words we can say on the podcast. That's true. Right. That's right. I'm going to give you, if only to get away with this, if only to divert the, the meetings that would follow for us. Yeah. Yeah. Let me so just tell meetings. you what, what Matt is doing right now. I kind of narrate. Yeah, sure. It's like, have you seen like the circus? Yeah. When there's a lion tamer? Yeah. And he right. puts his head all the way in the lion's <laughs> mouth. It could just snap its jaws. And it, it, no, there's no it way. It could happen. Go. It could happen. That's the, that's the entertainment. Yeah. Right now, he's like on the high wire. There's no net. Yeah. He could just die. It's a distinct possibility. A distinct, if he messes this up, he will. Th- I think. And let's see what happens. Sure. Let's watch. <laughs> here, here, I think this is safe. And we'll give you a sense of what we're dealing with here. Wow. Okay. I'm going to give you the top line and the bottom line. Yeah. There are two lines in between, which is where the, the trouble, it informs too much. Okay. Top line. First word, top line is church service. The greatest gift. Then blank line, blank line, her knees. <laughs> Dude. Now, again, there's a number of ways you think that could go if that could be inappropriate. Right. It's so much worse. <laughs> That's right. It is so much more inappropriate and, than the thing you're thinking. Like, you heard the thing of, like, oh, girls in my day didn't get pregnant because there was an aspirin between her knees. Is it like a misogynist thing? So much worse. Yeah. Okay. Here's what I'm trying to say. Say it. The, we're trying to help the people. Yeah. Because people have church signs. Yeah. And they're putting stuff up there. Yeah. Sometimes and they think maybe this will get on the internet, but don't get on the internet this way. You don't want to think it. Here's the thing: you have to think it through. Yeah. Yes. That's what we're helping people with yeah. right now. So people are saying, "Sounds like you guys are giggling at being naughty." Well, yeah. you know what? You're yeah, right. That's true. <laughs> but we're attempting to use that for good. But also, we're trying to help the people. Yeah. Because right. sometimes uh, we had a situation recently here in in town. Uh, where in in Chicago, where someone wanted to have a men's a gathering of fellowship, yeah, and kind of like an early morning Bible study thing, where you together and really yeah. get into being husbands and fathers and do the whole deal. That's right. And we had to very politely, lovingly, lovingly sit him down and explain that that the name the name uh, uh, was uh, suggestive of a different kind of relationship. Sure. Certainly a different kind of establishment. Yeah, between amongst men. Yes. And uh, that that was okay if that's what he had in mind. But if not. But if not, you might. Maybe sending a message you don't mean to send. Yeah, it's confusing. So we're here. That's what we're here for. We pick up on what might be awful better than anyone. Yeah, it's really our giftedness. (laughs) Okay. And then we're on the case because yeah. we've because we've done the research. We've done the research. You're welcome. We we know all the different ways that someone can make this dirty. Yes. Okay. <laughs> and then so we swoop in and say, we're you know to the rescue. Right. We're gonna desnarkify this and yeah. make it snark proof. Yes. Right. right. It's like if you call in an expert witness in the middle of a court case. That's right. Yeah. You yeah. know. Uh, so I, in fact, I think that could be the Christian movie that they make. Snark sure. proof, snark proof. I like Absolutely. that. I would all have sweaters. <laughs> and and then, the great climax would be when there's a board meeting at this mega church, and they say, 
we want a men's group. We want to say we're going to make you better men. We want manly imagery and gears and stuff. What about the man factory? <laughs> right. And our hero kicks down the door and says, you can't call it the man factory. In the end. See, that's, <laughs> yeah. see what I'm saying? Yeah. You can't. You can't do that. Can't. This is can be taken more than one way. Yes. And you don't want to deceive want the that. people. You don't want Trevor laughing. So we're. <laughs> So the opening scene, this is my elevator pitch. The opening scene, the four of us are there. We're all wearing sweaters. We're all in church. There's a horrible accident with an advent candle. Okay. And these sweaters go up whoosh. Yeah. And we're all four horribly burned. Yeah. And our ability to have a... a, 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 Shame. is, is, Is burnt in the fire. Okay. Okay, so then we have no shame, yeah, and we ha- we just see. So far, this is a bit of documentary, like a <laughs> like a superpower. We see all the awfulness that could be manifest in the snarky fashion, right? And so we're like superheroes, yeah, that go places and fix it. Yeah, you know what? You've got to go picture. That's I. You know, I felt like that yeah. was a hit. Yeah. Well, I think it's it'll definitely be better than Christian Mingle the movie. We're definitely going to have a Trevor advisor on set. Absolutely. That's where we're going to start this whole thing. But I think, given that that's a fantastic idea, yeah. we've gone for a minute here, and I think we've gone as far as we can before we say something that really super-duper gets us in trouble. Yep. I'm going to declare emergency off, but mystery's still on. Ooh. <laughs> on the whole, Preparation H feels good. Wow. Preparation H does. See, it's good. like a double. Yeah, it's a double. I think they call those entendre windows. That's right. Yeah, I think and, that's the word. Uh, that's uh, that's as the French say. Yeah, exactly right. Entendre windows. <laughs> and the, so that's where you know what. Once again, internet, you're welcome. Yeah, you are welcome. Of course, there there are going to be some of you out there who are highly curious, who just can't not know what it is. Now, again, we can't tell you. I'm not going to say these words in that order in my entire life if I can ever help it. But there is there's an inner circle of Say That listeners. There's a, a group that's closer to us than the rest, and those are our Bridgebox subscribers. Oh, yeah. Now, normally they pay $8 a month, and they get A, and most importantly, the satisfaction of knowing that they're helping us do the ministry we do here in Chicago, they're helping uh, Lee do the stuff he does down there in Tennessee. He's working with guys behind bars, guys coming out of addiction, guys coming out of gangs. In Lee's case, working with young folks. And they're really making that happen. They help us hire part-time employees. They help us get stuff done. They help us pay for bus cards and job interviews and all that stuff. And you're making that happen if you're a Bridgebox subscriber. Now, as a thank you for making that happen, we give you a monthly pack of songs and sermons and Bible studies and lots of cool stuff for your walk. Now, if you need another aspect, because we consider the Bridgebox subscriber the true inner sanctum, if you want to know what we were sent, <laughs> I'm not promising that will come as a Bridgebox subscriber bonus, if but you ask. But if you email me and say, Kay, can you send me that picture? And I know you're a Bridgebox subscriber, your chances get much better. I It's what, like in the old days, when you have like in the cereal box, yeah. the decoder Just like ring. The decoder Just ring. Like exactly. There you go. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. All right, we're going to move on for our first question here. If you hang out with us all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways you can get in touch with us. First one comes in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox, and it says, What is heart referring to in the Bible? 
I heard that heart is synonymous with mind. So is it true that I can just do a kind of a find and replace and switch out every occurrence of heart for mind? Is that how proper exegesis works? Guard your heart. The heart is deceitful. My strength in my heart may fail. All that stuff. Examine your heart. Is that actually talking about your mind? Is that talking about your heart? What is the deal? And Lee, why don't you start us off with this one? Uh, yeah, it's a really, really cool question. And uh, and I really like kind of the the, the array of, uh, of verses that you've laid out with the word heart in it. it. It shows kind of a lot of different angles on this thing. And that's definitely how you want to start approaching these things is looking at all the ways that the English word is used, you know, in different verses, and then finding out what are those what are those original words in those verses, you know, so, you know, you know, how did they define this, this term? And so one thing you find is that the, like, biblical writers actually used, like, a lot of different organs to talk about this same idea, like the, the ancient Hebrews would use uh, the, the Hebrew word for kidneys to talk about the heart and the mind and the inner person in the way that you're talking about. So it was, it was the Hebrew word kilia which was so like in uh, in Psalm 139 David talks about uh, before he was born God formed his inmost being or his personality and that's that word kidneys um he uh he also uh in Psalm 16 he says my mind instructs me and he uses kidneys again for that and uh the Greeks used the word uh, used the word cardia which is where we get the word cardiac so the the word heart but they also talked a lot about um, they would talk about the intestines when they talked about like uh, like really, really deep feeling and compassion and stuff like that, ways that we would talk about the heart today. So, uh, you know, when you look at kind of like all these different things, whether it was the kidneys or the heart or the intestines or whatever, whatever words they're using, kind of the idea behind all these verses is a series of things. You have kind of the core of who you are. So where where like your volition and your emotions, but also the unique personality, like the unique you, this is like who you are. And the really interesting thing is when I look back at those verses that, that you bring out, you know, you've got, um, you, you've got the thing about the heart is deceitful and my, you know, my, the, my strength in my heart may fail and my heart is steadfast, like in Psalm 108 and, and all of those things like kind of your volition, your emotion, your, your unique you, your unique personality, all those things uh, are true of, of however you want to define the heart there, you know, whether it's just your mind, your, um, your will, your personality, you are, you know, you, you are vulnerable, you are deceitful, you are, but you're also growing and being redeemed. All those things about you, your will, your emotions, your personality the Lord is at work in all that stuff. And without him, it's all going south. It's all, it's all totally screwed up, but he's at work in all of those things. So you're whether, you know, however you want to define that and whatever, you know, the, the way the Hebrews talked about it, the way the Greeks talked about it, this is kind of the essential you. This is where the, uh, the book of Proverbs says that the issues of life come out of this. This is the essential you. And of course, on its own, it's a, it's a mess. It's a hot mess. But the Lord is at work to redeem that, and he's growing that. And all those things, your will, your emotions, your volition, this unique you, that's where he's at work to change who you are. That's absolutely a great place to start. There's a lot of good definitions, a lot of good stuff for us moving forward. And Jed, I'd love to get you to pick up that exact thread where 
Lee was leaving off of it's important to understand these verses. It's a good thing to go back to the original of what they mean. But each one of these individual things is making a point. Yeah. And one of the things we can get into when we go into the original languages, when we go into the exegetical stuff, which can all be very important and very helpful, but it's only helpful if we're using it in context. So how do we how do we approach gaining this knowledge in a way that helps us understand what it's actually saying? That's a great question. And we appreciate you uh, for the question asked. We appreciate you writing in with, with this question. Um, and it's a good one, and it's, it's worth looking at. One of the things that Jesus encountered a lot, actually, and he talked to the religious people of his day about it, was they had a tendency sometimes to get so focused on kind of the very smallest details of what was in you know the Old Testament, their Bible, that they'd miss the broader point. Yes. There was you know something this was trying to say to them. So let's look at it. I'm going to read for you. Um, we're in the book of Matthew here. I'm going to read this, this little passage, because you referenced in your question one of these verses. This is Jesus talking. He says, Do not gather for yourselves riches on earth. Moths and rats can destroy them. Thieves can break in and steal them. Instead, gather for yourselves riches in heaven. There, moths and rats do not destroy them. There, thieves do not break in and steal them. Your heart will be where your riches are. Now, we could we could get into all kinds of detail and all kinds of depth about what does heart mean there and what are the implications, and that's actually worth doing. But we don't want to miss the broader point, which is Jesus is saying your values are indicative of something important. Mm-hmm. Um, do you are you investing in the stuff of this world? Or are you investing in the stuff of God's kingdom? Right. And that's a barometer that you want to use to evaluate the decisions that you make. Right. We can always go deeper into God's word. There's always another layer to uncover. There's always a new depth to realize. But here's the funny thing that I've found in my life. I only really start appreciating the finer points when I'm actually living the parts I do understand, Mm. right? Mm. This is a book that I'm not sure how easy it is to understand if you approach it just as an academic text to be studied. If you say that this is a book that's supposed to guide you in how you live, it actually becomes fairly interactive. If you say, well, look, this is talking to me about my decision making. Am I investing in the world or am I investing in God's kingdom? And so I start I want to start looking at my life on that. Not in a judgmental mm-hmm. sense, but just in an evaluative right. sense. You know, right. what am I investing in? Well the funny thing is as you get into that journey, you'll discover all kinds of implications about what this verse is saying. And then as you combine that with some study and figuring out what did the word that Jesus used there, that we translate heart, what did that mean to the people at the time, that'll provide cool implications and whatnot. But the living it out piece is actually super, super key if you want to understand what was being meant there. And this is the last thing I'll add to it is this is not – in internet culture today, most things that we read are meant for us to ponder. Right. To to have – to look wistfully off in the distance and have deep thoughts about them and go, wow, that's super – so important, y'all. Yeah. Right? That's Most of what Jesus said does not fall into that category. Most of what Jesus said is, this is stuff you should live. This right. is stuff that you will understand as you live it out. There's a saying in 12-step recovery programs, and the saying is, it works when you work it. Right. Right? right. Yeah. Like, uh, one of the, the first step is um, admitting that we're powerless over our addiction. That's, that's step mm-hmm. one in the 12 steps. That's not a hard concept to understand intellectually. It's an incredibly hard concept to live. Right. right. And what people in addiction recovery say is it only works when you do something with it. 
right, it only right. it only does something when you live it out. And mm-hmm. that's what Jesus actually said about his own words. It, no, it's being in the building, knowing all the sayings, attending the meetings doesn't actually do anything. Exactly yeah. right. It's the living it out that does something. And Jesus yeah. said that about his own words. He said, he who hears these words and puts them into practice. Mm. Yeah is like a wise builder who mm-hmm. built his house on the rock. And that's the thing that we want for you. That's the thing we want for everybody listening to this podcast. We do want you to understand the word, and we do want you to have an ever-increasing understanding, but we know that that will most happen as you live it out, as that's you right. put those words into practice, beginning with the things you do understand, and letting that understanding flow out of a lived practice. Absolutely. absolutely. That's absolutely right. And Glenn, I'd love to, with that in mind, I'd love mm-hmm. to get you to kind of take us again inside the point that's the, our question asker is actually mostly right that mm-hmm. when the Bible writers refer to this, they're talking about something closer to mind than heart. Mind mind and heart might be even right. closer still. But given what Lee and Jed have given us, how do we take that understanding of what they mean and help that apply out what Jesus is telling well, us? Yeah, and just picking up on what it is that Jed is, is saying is, you know, let's let's recognize what it is what this isn't saying and, and, and not let that be a distraction. First and foremost, uh, the the people of this time, particularly the the Greeks, uh, who were sort of you know sort of the foremost uh, in terms of knowledge of what was going on uh, with the human body in terms of anatomy, had no earthly of ad- Western cultures of Western emails. cultures. Yes, thank you. Um, they the Greeks had absolutely no idea what a brain was for. Uh, their their theory was it was like a radiator because it kind of makes sense when you think about it with all the folds and everything. They were like dissipate heat from the blood or something. Uh, so, but but the odd thing is, by contrast, um, uh, we know that both of our thought, both our thoughts and our feelings are processed in one organ, yeah. right, mm-hmm. in our brain. So we tend to think of those, if you think about it, as smushed together. Every freshman psychology student has sat in a class where a professor attempted to talk about thoughts as something separate from feelings. Mm -hmm. But what's funny is we think of those as kind of Mm -hmm. all one thing. It's weird to kind of talk philosophically this way, or it sounds philosophical, but it kind of isn't. It's hard, I think, for a lot of us to imagine having a thought that you have no feelings about. Mm -hmm. So the idea is you can't separate those out. And again, it's all processed in the same organ, so we think of it all as the same. But um, the language that you get coming out of the Bible uh, shows that that that's actually, shows us the reality that we actually know deep down to exist, that thoughts and feelings are are two different things, are Mm -hmm. processed differently. Uh, We deal with those things differently. you know that that what what the Greeks would say is, uh, and and what uh, the, the you know the 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 readers of the Greek New Testament would say, is that the heart is where these these thoughts are decided on. That mm. that's the mm. that's where the decisions are being made. You may have a thought that or, originates in an abstract thing we call a mind. But the heart is where you decide. The heart is, and you might make a wrong decision with your heart, and that might really take you down the wrong road and whatever. So we have to protect that process. So, so, but the thing is, that's not way different than the way we think of it, because we would say, I know in my heart that was true. You know, we would use that kind of language, and that's exactly the way the mm-hmm. Greeks would, would write it out is, is, is uh, you know, in my heart, I knew this was the right thing. Or in my heart, I, I felt like this was, had to be the right decision, and so on and so forth. 
Um, what's interesting, so, so in, in, in that sense, we're not all that different in the way we think of things. We, if you ask us scientifically, we know that our, we have no thoughts in our heart, but you know, that this right. is the way we, uh, we, 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 we speak. But what's interesting is uh, the Greeks thought the place where we processed our emotions was in our stomach. Mm. And it makes sense. You get butterflies in your stomach when you're nervous. A gut right. feeling. A gut feeling. Exactly right. This is the language we use, and it's also kind of the way we think of it. I knew in my gut this. I, I, we talk about discerning. You know, I had all these swirling emotions, but I discerned. I've had just a gut instinct. This was the right way to do it. Whatever. That's exactly the way the Greeks would put that. You know, and that's kind of a, in a sense where we get all this stuff from. So it, it isn't super different. Now, one thing's for darn sure, and this relates to a lot of uh, fans of this podcast, uh, we use heart to refer to the, the, the seat of romance, where romance happens, and the idea that guarding our heart means protecting a romantic, uh, uh, protecting the, a state from the onslaught of romance and which will destroy it. It's not what so it means. You have to protect it. Uh, that verse is talking about using discernment, and right. that's again what we're talking about here: to 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 you to to keep your heart from receiving all sorts of theological untruths and lies, and uh, keeping yourself or uh, protecting yourself because you want this decision maker, that heart that makes that decision. Uh, that we love the Lord with all of our heart, you know, that we make this choice to follow God, open the eyes of my heart, Lord. This, that's what, what that, if we want to expand and understand deeper what that's meaning there, uh, it's not talking about romance, uh, and, and it's not necessarily saying that's co-equal with the idea of a mind, the way we think of it mm. in 21st century terms, but it is that place where we, we, we make those decisions. Uh, the Bible talks about, this is what I'm going to close on, the Bible talks about Flesh and spirit, always at war, always at war. And the heart is that battleground where that, mm-hmm. that battle takes place. This is the, that, uh, that's what we would describe is the thing in between where that takes place. So that's, that's how the Bible refers to that. Absolutely. Now, I'm going to prophesy right now that a lot of our listeners who spend a lot of time in youth group currently have the tune of Open, my, open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord, stuck in the You head. know that's right. Right. And uh, the man in your earphones just called you out on it, so I'm sure that's a bit of an odd experience. But yeah. there, there you go. Are. A lot of great stuff on that. I would just echo what these guys are saying. Again, in this overall schema, when you say, you know, do I just replace heart with mind? That's actually pretty close. That gets closer mm-hmm. again. But we go the next level when we go to Bible Hub or we go to a concordance. We go back and say, what's this word actually mean? Well, it means the inner man and the deepest part of your spirit. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I can actually, as you're saying exactly, do that find and replace, essentially, mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. that deeper concept. That's, That's sure right. what happens a lot. The Greek words, the Hebrew words, they just translation is really a one-to-one the way we learn like you know in spanish this word means that word it's Mm -hmm. not 100 the way translation especially translations of older languages from different root languages Mm -hmm. tend to work so guard your inner person the inner person is deceitful above all off where the desires of your inner person is you'll that's really Mm -hmm. a great way to understand that and then as jed's pointing out as you go out and live that out the more you experience you have with that the more you're going to understand what the word says the better you're gonna be able to apply it's actually a very cool cycle when you start walking that way you bet all right move our second question here it comes in anonymous with our tumblr box and it says Hey there, so this is the first time I have no real plan for the future, as in I'm in between jobs and I don't know when or what my next job will be. 
I'm feeling lost and would like some advice on how to get peace about the future and trusting in God that it's somehow going to be okay. Any advice in general about this time of life would be awesome. Thanks. And Jen, why don't you off here? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, for our question asker, my friend, I appreciate you writing in, and I'm sorry you're going through a rough time. Um, we're, we we believe in you. We're praying for you. Some of us have been there. Some, all of us have been there. Yeah. Um, I want to start with something that, that will feel probably a little unchristian. And here's what I want you to that do. That sounds like us. Absolutely. I want you to think about what you want your life to look like. Here's why I say that. If you ask 99 out of 100 Christians, um, you know, what are you, what are you going to do? They say, I just want to do whatever God wants me to do. Right. And this is the thing is that's a, a very, that is the right place to land, but you kind of can't begin there. Um, that's right. That's, that's the end of a process. Yeah. It's not mm-hmm. the beginning. Mm-hmm. We got to begin in terms of where you're at with asking, what do you want? That doesn't mean you're right about it. It doesn't mean that we're going to pursue that. But we do need to know what you want, right or wrong. Um, because here's the funny thing. We actually can't uh, surrender to God desires that we won't admit we have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let me say that again, because you don't hear that said very often in church stuff. You can't surrender to God desires you will not admit that you have. Right. All right. You do need to surrender your desires to God, but you first got to know that you got them before you can do that. Right. Okay. I think we do a lot of talking with people going through a difficult time and a lot of talking with Christians that are going through a difficult time. In general, it's hard to find a group of people more out of touch with their own desires mm-hmm. than church-going Christians. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of denial there. There's a ton of denial. There's a ton of repression. And that's every type of desire that, mm-hmm. yes, romantic desire. We're talking about this podcast, but that is, we're talking about here. Uh, job, family, place you live, any kind of desire. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Particularly if you've grown up in the church, the odds are that from the time you were seven, eight, nine years old, you had to kind of drill it into you. What you want is bad, so try not to think about that um, and just, you know, go along to get along. Well, we kind of need to begin to reverse that process a little bit because, again, part of what you want to know is what is God leading me to do? Well, Part of discerning God's voice actually does involve figuring out what you want. Because as much as there's some bone jacked up stuff in there, actually there's there's God's voice in there too. Um, mm-hmm. There's God's leading in there too. And so we, we need to tune into that. So here's how we do that. Here's how I begin that process. The number one thing is, and, and Christians struggle with this, we're not going to try and be right. Right. We're not going to want to try and want the right things. We're just going to want what we want. Let me explain right. what I mean. For a lot of Christians, they say, well, I, I, I will, if I have to want something, I'll want something sensible right. and decent and in order uh-huh. and responsible. That's right. Very responsible is important. With plenty of roughage. That's I right. desire a nice pair of slacks. A nice pair of slacks. Right. High Perfect. fiber. <laughs> High fiber. Yeah. Don't do that. Right. Instead, do you want to run away and join the circus? Right. Do you, you know, want to go work on a cruise ship for a year? Do right. you, do you want to go hike the Appalachian Trail and find yourself? Don't figure out what resonates within you. Not because right. you're going to run out and act on it. That's right. that's not the point. But we've got to start with a sense of what as we were just talking about with this last question, that inmost being. What is your inmost being looking for? Right. What is it right. what is it calling out for? And it's okay. I'd encourage you to write this stuff down, um, yes. to do some journaling yes. about this. I'd encourage you to come back to this several times. You don't have to do this all in one go. Set aside 20 minutes 
Write it out in a quiet place. Try and be honest with yourself. Come back the next day. Do it again. Do that every day for two weeks. And look at the patterns that emerge. See what things come up again and again. Then start taking those to God. Right. Take those to God and say, you know what? There's part of me that really wants to hike the Appalachian Trail. Right. And that seems like a silly thing to me. And I don't know. And besides, and, and you probably think it's silly, God. But I'm just saying that's in there. Right. Now you've begun a conversation with God. Yes. Now is right. there is there a chance that as you seek the Lord's the Lord's leading through his voice in prayer and wise counsel in the Bible, you get the sense of maybe you don't need to hike the Appalachian Trail. Sure, but what you might find is you want to be in nature and you want to enjoy the right. outdoors and you want to find a sense of freedom there. And there's all kinds of ways you can do that right now. And and the youth in this church really need to do retreats. Exactly and who right. Yeah. Exactly right. And then you're out there's ways I can serve the Lord with that. Yeah. And isn't that amazing and whatnot? But here's the crazy thing. We never would have gotten to that point of saying, I'll be the guy that leads the youth retreat and right. takes them all camping if we hadn't started with, what I would need to do is hike the Appalachian Trail. Right, right. We got to start with a crazy idea to get to, yeah. Exactly right. We got to start by letting ourselves want what we want. That doesn't mean we're going to act on it, but we start with saying, here's what's inside of me. I'm going to be honest about that, and then I'm going to take that to the Lord and let him direct me. If you can start to get that journey going, I think you'll find, actually in short order, you start to get a very good idea of what you'd like to have as your next step. But I think for you, it begins with honesty about where you're at and how you're feeling today. That's really fantastic stuff. It's a great place to start. And Glenn, I'd love to get you to pick up on this idea of which Jed gave us a lot of good stuff there. I'd love to get you to pick up this idea of how do I get peace today? Right. You know, I don't have I don't have a job. I'm going to, I'm going to do what Jed said. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to move this next step. I'm going to pray the Lord. But I also need to not lose my complete mind today, today. while I'm in this yeah. situation. Well, it seems like to me, you know, as we're talking about this, that th- there is a sort of this tug of war that's going on here. On one hand is this, ethereal, theological, spiritual, non-corporeal idea of serving God, a mysterious, invisible God that exists somewhere who wants me to do something which I don't know what it is. Some unknowable task. Yeah, that's that's on one side of the scale, and the other is I have to pay rent. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing that you're trying to do is to try and do both, which is the holy thing. That's yeah. the good thing. That's the godly thing. You're. This is what we want. But part of what you're part of what you're feeling is a sense that um, that if I'm somewhere um, that that I can't do a hundred percent of both because I'm stealing time from one to do the other. Mm. So I think the thing that gives peace uh, per uh, Matt's question is to recognize that God has one plan and it involves paying rent and paying bills. Now, that might involve quitting a job and then having those bills pile up and then having a fun experience where you just find out how much faith that you have yep. and that it's not enough and then you have to get some more. And then you get a different job that's really super awesome. And then you think, wow, okay, that I learned something from that. I don't want that to happen again, but yep. cool. I'm but, sure this is a hypothetical situation you're walking us through here, Glenn. <laughs> sure. Uh, but, the, the, you know, sure. Uh, but God's plan does involve paying your bills. Yeah. Let's maybe make sure we say that loud and clear. God does not intend that you would be homeless. <laughs> okay, uh, the Bible says, you know, uh, the, uh, you know, we've never seen God's people begging for bread. Maybe that could for, be different for me. 
Yeah, no, a special no, case. No, and 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 also, Jed, you're not called to singleness. I think, dude, that was literally the next <laughs> yeah, thing I was. I can read your mind. I know exactly. Yeah, yeah. Can I have a birthday high five? <laughs> These you, two spend a lot of time together. <laughs> you got it. A lot of time yeah. together. I never, ever, ever high five anyone. And it actually is my birthday. Jed asked for a high five. Called the singleness birthday high five. Now, and to put how important that is in context, I've worked here for almost five years now. I've received two high fives from Glenn. That's right. One is when I bur- booked the first ever celebrity guest we had on the podcast. Right. I didn't know if that would work. Worked out fine. Got a high five. The second is when we hit a trifecta at the track. Yeah. <laughs> and these are two things. The podcast being good and growing and winning at the track. Right. That are very important to Glenn. Yes. Yeah. And that lets you know how good the but, uh, making fun of called to single. Yeah, these are things right that don't happen was. that often. So I'm trying to say something spiritual, y'all. Are you? Sorry, we derailed you. Here's here's what happened. <laughs> Is that I think we have this tendency to say uh 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 you know that these are competing uh, yeah. interests here. God God yeah. wants your, your bills to be paid. Now here's a few things we do want to m- make sure we make note of. First of all, having a job is not meaningful. It's not important. It's not significant. It's not an accomplishment, really. It does not confer upon you special status. Okay. So that when you have a job, you're a special person. When you don't have a job, you're not a special person. Yeah. If you're, ha- and that's, this is what you say, I'm feeling lost and I have no plans and uh, I, I need peace. And so. The, the, we're we're if we're at a place where we're lost because we don't have the job to give us a sense of where we're found, maybe we need to rethink these things. The job's important. Don't, I'm not. No one's saying that, and God is saying it's important for you to have a job. It's important for you to pay the bills. A job will happen, whatever. But when it happens, maybe let's just make a note for that point. When that happens, you will not be more important. Yep. You will not be more responsible. Yeah. You will not be anything. And you're not less so now no, as absolutely. a consequence of that. Uh, the, the Proverbs 19 uh, verse 21 says, Many are the plans of a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. So having a plan may not really be the most important thing here. Um, but I think off of that, uh, if you're reading this verse right now or you're hearing me, excuse me, read it off to you, I think the right response is to say, um, hey, God, I don't know what your purpose is that's going to prevail. And if you let me in on it, it'd be a whole lot easier for me to do stuff with it. And I need you to make that obvious. Yeah. A, because I'm close. B, because I'm freaked out. And C, because I don't uh, know even what it could be out of thin air. Now, you need to do the stuff that, that Jed is talking about in his answer, was, which was awesome, to get a sense of what your desires are mm-hmm. so that you, maybe he wants you to give those things up and not do anything with it. Maybe he wants you to do something really cool that has to do with that. Who knows? Uh, but it's, uh, you know, so you have to work all of these steps, but one of the more important ones is, is saying, Lord, I want to do what you want to mm-hmm. do. And I'm giving up my sense of I'm important if I have a job title yeah. and, a, 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 and a, a business card or whatever that is. Uh, but I need you to tell me what it is. You mm-hmm. need to show mm-hmm. me. And I think the Lord's prepared to answer that prayer. I think that he's, he finds that acceptable. 
It's absolutely right. And Leah, I'd love to get you to pick up this idea. I think Glenn makes a very good point about the feeling loss. Now, there is the feeling loss in the sense of significance and what does it all mean, man, which if you're the kind of person who's used to, as we talked about before on the show, worshiping kind of achievement and status, Uh then uh, not having a job can be a rough thing. But let's look at another side of feeling lost, which is just there used to be a place I went for eight hours and I kind of knew how to do that. One of the other things that comes with being in that in-between position, and you work with folks making the transition from high school to college and from college in the working world. There's a lot of uncertainty, but there's also the lot of uncertainty. And then this big old glob of time to just sit around and think about uncertainty. So how do we deal with some of the practical aspects of this? So one of the things that happens is in that, and I'm glad you brought up specifically this transition from high school to college or college into the working world is that there there's some of these kind of broad theological concepts become much more complex and much more difficult to understand when you're not doing anything. And when you are kind of staring off into the space at the coffee shop, like Jed is describing, you're trying to understand how do I really trust God, man? And uh, that, that stuff is really hard to figure out when you're in the middle of nothing. And uh, just kind of in, in my experience, the guys that, I, you know, uh, you know, young folks that I've worked with that have coming out of one thing into another thing, there's a whole lot of, and I never know how people do it, but there's a whole lot of floating about that happens. And I'm not, I don't want to just randomly, you know, or, or accuse our question asker of just kind of, just kind of floating about and kind of, you know, going from one person's apartment, making a sandwich over here and, you know, but there is a lot of that that happens. And I, I find myself saying this sentence a lot to young people that I love a lot, which is go to 10 department stores today and apply to all of them immediately. Go to all of them. Go to all of these. Just apply for, you know, because it's you at some point you have to buy groceries. Okay. And here's the deal is we can work out all of this stuff. But for now, show up at the place and do the thing and buy your groceries. And we will have I will have all these conversations with you and we will pray through all these things exactly as these guys are talking about trying to figure out what do I want next and what's the next thing. But make sure that you are, you know, doing something to make sure you can pay for the food. As Glenn's saying, God wants you to pay your bills and you are going to have a role in that. And here's the other side of this kind of the theological edge to it is uh, it is this idea of like just kind of being out in the middle of nowhere, how do I trust God? One thing I would say is in the same way with the, with the just get a job thing for right now, just for the moment, the other thing would be find somewhere to serve the Lord today. Find something to be involved in where you are kind of, you're doing something to give your time away, give your energy away to someone else, particularly somebody who's in need. Serve somebody who's in need. And the thing that's going to be cool about that is that when you start locking arms with the Lord and doing what he's, what, what the stuff that he cares about, the stuff that's on his heart, now that stuff's on your heart and you guys are moving in the same direction. The cool thing there is this whole thing about how to trust the Lord becomes a, a, a totally different thing to understand when you're actually a ship in motion as far as ministry goes, as far as pouring your life out, as far as serving somebody who's in need. Uh, what what you've heard these guys say on the podcast before and me say on the podcast before is that scripture becomes more clear. Scripture becomes more applicable. 
your prayer life becomes something that you need to do rather than something you're trying to learn how to do. It becomes something that is a natural progression of you just breathing in and out because now I'm in over my head. Now I'm out there trying to meet somebody else's needs. Now I'm pouring my energy into what the Lord's got for me. And all of this idea about trusting the Lord and all these big theological concepts, they all become practically uh, so much more real. The scripture becomes more real. All of this stuff, everything about your relationship with the Lord becomes more real when you're in motion. And I'm not saying for this particular uh, question asker that your deal right now is you're kind of, you know, uh, you're feeling lost, but you're also playing a lot of Xbox. Please don't hear me uh, accusing you of that or anything like that. But I will say I have known a lot of those dudes. And so it's highly possible that somebody listening to this is in that world or has been there before. And all of that theological stuff is so much easier to understand when you get in motion with what the Lord's doing specifically and particularly when you're meeting somebody else's needs. Amen. Amen. I think it's all really fantastic stuff. There is something this person's, this person really is, and we appreciate writing in, asking the right questions because it is that. I understand I am in this situation for however long I'm in it. You can limit the amount of time you're in it by doing the things Lee's talking about and getting in motion on some stuff Mm -hmm. and doing some stuff. But in the meantime, you really do need that piece, and you can get that from, as kind of Jed's talking about, really focusing, using that time to realize what you want, think about it. But here's the thing. The other incredibly critical point Jed made is that's a 20, 30-minute-a-day activity. Yeah. Right. You yeah. will not get to your passions, what you want, and your calling any faster by sitting in a room for 12 hours a day just thinking thoughts. Man. No doubt. That's right. You are just as likely to find your passion if you go get a job at a store, right. help out at church, and realize that I have this job right now. It's not what I want to do, so I'm going to think about what I want to do. And then also very important, and it helps you in those transitional steps if you can tap into what Glenn said there and realize that this is not what gives you worth and identity and stuff. Yep. If you have no job that you have just as much worth of God, if you have kind of a crappy job where I think we've all on some level in this podcast, and I know I've done it. Yep. I've been the person selling the, the, the piece of fruit to the guy I graduated high school with and he's right. a lawyer now and I'm doing right. this right now. And that sucks. Every right. different kind of suck. Yeah. But if you're getting your worth in the right place and as we're talking about applying those spiritual principles in your real life, it's all manageable and it's all going to go mm-hmm. somewhere. Yep. All, right. all right. We're going to jump to our final question here. It came in anonymously to our Tumblr inbox and it says, it's been almost two years since a really hard breakup. Both me and the guy were having huge breakdowns and major life decisions and he had anger issues and it was bad, bad, bad. Here's the stupid thing, though. That is not editorializing for me. That is in the question. Here's the stupid thing, though. I still miss him. We had so many of the same super unique and specific I can't find another person dreams and ministry plans. And when it was good, our relationship was one of the biggest blessings of my life. I am super weird, and he was the same type of weird. I've tried dating other people, but I can't imagine someone fitting me like that. And if I'm going to go do my build a missional coffee house dream, God put in my heart. I feel like I'll have to do it with this guy or be a spinster and do it all by myself. How do I actually move on when everyone else seems like I'm settling, giving up my dreams and feel so boring compared with this guy? I know it's been two years, but I'm tempted to message him every day. We talked a little bit a few months ago after his mom died and he says he's changed. I know you guys will are probably going to say that I should move on. (laughs) <laughs> but if not, how would I get in touch with him in a non-freaky way and see if there's any chance And now that we've grown, more grown up? If so, well, how do I actually move on? Yeah. With that in mind, let me kick it over to Glenn. 
Well, you need to just move on. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no. If you have a question for us, send that podcast. Email <laughs> com, British Chicago. No, bless your heart. Uh, first and foremost, let's 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 say this. Uh, your thought is: I have a unique take on life, a unique um, ideas in terms of my calling and my purpose in life, and things I want to do. And it's so unique. I just feel like, where is another person like that in the world? And what are the odds that I that they exist and that I would find them and that we would be compatible and we would both be mm. single? And what are the odds? Here's the thing: life does not happen by the odds. Yep. You know, my 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 dad uh, uh, was uh, an, an engineer and and uh, helped put a man on the moon. And his one of his favorite sayings was, "The dice don't know the odds." You know, you can you can throw snake eyes twenty times in a row. It's not less likely that you'll throw them uh, uh, that twenty-first time. The dice don't know that yeah. it's not supposed to happen. That kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Nothing in life happens by the odds. It just happens the way it happens. And in your case, God is directing your steps, and He's, you know, just like we mm. talked about on the the previous question. There's you got your plans, but you know, Amen. God God's plan is going to prevail. He's got a person in mind for you. Uh, the difficulty uh, is not necessarily those long odds because you do believe in a. a, a a world where God makes everything go, that he can find this person and find a way for you to meet. The part that's, that's hard to accept is that it hasn't happened yet, and that makes it feel more like it's not going to happen. Yeah, right. Okay, here's the thing about that, is to ask yourself, I, I don't know if you're like me, but if you are, I'm so, so sorry. Uh, if you're like me, nothing ever happens fast enough with god <laughs> never you know it's yeah. you know this whole thing where you know uh, the the in the lord's timing yeah. it's never my timing it's yeah. uh, mine is now yeah. his is soon and i i in my relationship with god i often use the phrase is it my soon or your soon cuz your soon is a long ways off from mine okay but here's the thing look back on my life if i will I will see that if any of these events happened any faster to me, my brain would have exploded. Yeah. Okay. And the whole time I'm saying there, why can't this just happen now? I'm ready. I'm not. I'm not ready. You know. If you look back on the two years since this this breakup, uh, you had some some uh, you know dates, and you had some you know you got you got your life back on track. But if you'd met the perfect guy for you in that two year time frame, would you have really mm-hmm. really been ready? Mm-hmm. Uh, Maybe, maybe not, and whatever. Yeah. And maybe there's, and, and I'm not saying that, that, that like the breakup would, you know, harm you in some way, but, it, you know, getting some perspective, learning some things, maybe that needs to take place. Uh, here's the other question to ask here, or, or the, the, the other comment uh, that you're asking a question about is um, you're saying that you feel this connection with him, and maybe that's a sign, and maybe that means mm-hmm. something. Here's, it doesn't. Here's what that means. When you have two people living uh, 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 in a relationship where they're uh, uh, working on being really super close, they're working on being a, a close boyfriend and girlfriend, your lives become integrated. You share the same inside jokes. You have your little catchphrases and your shorthand that you use with one another. Your lives become integrated, mm-hmm. really. And when you break up with someone, it's like that other half is gone. Mm-hmm. You know, you just, and no one understands your little phrases and it's missing. And you feel sort of this odd sort of handicap feeling of just, 
I don't have that other limb that I'm used to to, to walking on. And so uh, uh, that uh, that's what we would call a sense of attachment. Mm-hmm. But that attachment is not love. Yeah. An attachment is not a sign that this is a person that you're meant to be with. Mm-hmm. You can be attached to all sorts of people. And you, you've had friendships already in your life that maybe weren't as close or in, as intense as this relationship, but you've had friendships. And then you've maybe gone to school in another town and you and you feel that attachment and you feel that sense of loss and you yeah. feel that sense of there's part of me that's kind of missing or something like that. That's not a sign. That's not, that's not saying something bad has happened. It's not saying that something... Uh, different was meant to happen off of that. It's simply, this is how relationships work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's okay for you to feel uh, uh, ready to move on, and it's it's not for you to feel like this is supposed to happen, I'm supposed to make it work because I feel that attachment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely right. And Lee, maybe if you could pick up for us on this idea of, I think Glenn's absolutely right, attachment's the perfect word. I'd love to get you to talk to us about when you is this a case of all these other things aren't working out so that is confirmation that this is the only relationship for me or do we have a situation which is way more common of i am positive that was the only relationship for me there and therefore nothing else seems to be working out and how do we how how do we know from that mindset and if we're in it how do we kind of ease ourselves off it so we can get back to reality here I think, um, and and I totally, I, I feel for you. I, you know, I'm we're we're glad that you wrote in. You know, we care about you, and and this is it's a sucky thing to feel. Um, but it is, it's actually a, if you take it out of this relationship thing and out of the, kind of the depth of feeling into something more common, it's something we all feel all the time. So, you know, me and a couple of buddies are going to go hang out, and somebody suggests, you know, this restaurant, and and you know, and I was super feeling that hibachi place that I really like, and so. I've never been to the one that you suggested, but I already know I don't want to go. And so nothing on that menu is going to seem good because I already decided where I wanted to be. And so, mm-hmm. you know, this could be a great restaurant you want to take me to. Nothing is going to appeal to me on this on this menu whatsoever because that's not what I wanted. I wanted this mm-hmm. other thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and so much of exactly where Glenn was kind of landing on this thing that, that you know, th- this is... There were so many cool things about this that worked, and I miss all of those things. Rather than saying, this was a time in my life, and we've talked about this before, and there were some cool moments that I want to yeah. look at as kind of these pearls that I want to treasure, and I enjoyed these things, and, and I'm glad I experienced that stuff. But there's, there's something else that the Lord has out, out there for me. I want to make a couple of points real quick. One, as a person who's been a pastor for 15 years... um. The an angry person is not the person who gets to decide that they're better off being an angry person. Um, yeah. That's not the person to be the the judge of whether or not they've moved past that in their life. And if you if you've been in a relationship with someone who has acted towards you in an angry way, especially if you've been unsafe in any capacity whatsoever, um. Yeah. Lee, you want to define real quick what you mean by acting in an angry way in a relationship versus kind of normal run-of-the-mill anger? You want to give us some lessons? So what I'm talking about specifically is if you have felt, um, one, if there's been any abuse whatsoever, any kind of physical abuse yep. whatsoever, we've crossed the line totally. But if there's been any kind of uh, kind of proximity aggression, uh, the raising of the voice, anything, you know, somebody's 
punched a wall or thrown something or anything like that, that kind of explosive anger, if, you're, if you've experienced that in, in, an, in a confrontation or a conflict or something like that, this is not the normal kind of like, my sports team lost and I'm a little pissed for 30 minutes. This is not that kind yeah. of a thing. If you're in that situation, and obviously we don't know the specifics that you're describing, but that, that's my definite red flag as I read through your question as a pastor to say, um, I, I've seen angry dudes in relationships. Um, I've seen a lot of marriages go south um, because of you know, angry, you know, angry folks in relationships. And those guys saying, I'm better now, I've heard that a thousand times. And I've seen that come apart a thousand, like every single time I've heard it. And so what I would say is, my heart for you as you ask this is, be very careful about that. And you want to take care of yourself in the sense of, you want someone who um, who is not aggressive towards you, who is, I mean, what I would say is, do we have a professional person, a professional counselor signing mm-hmm. off that this dude is making strides? He's making, he's, he's on a, a new strategy, a new tack in life. And the, the last thing that I would say on this is, and, and please, please follow up with us, you know, specifically yeah. and individually, email, all that kind of stuff. We'd love to kind of walk through this with you. But the, the other thing I would say on this is, and, and Glenn hinted at this and, uh, and it's a really, really important point. You know, you have a specific kind of quirky weird that you're on, and and this guy had a specific kind of quirky weird that he was on. And so, you know, you, you think this is the only person on the planet with whom a relationship could work. Here's This is a very important thing that you need to know about relationships. Chemistry is not the thing that makes a great relationship. Hello. Yep. Relationships take work. They take yep. humility. They take... Yep. They take communication, they take yep. work, they take words, and they take work. And yep. that's the only thing that can build a good marriage is you put the work in. I don't care what the chemistry is, the the personality. Some of those things can grease the skids, can can make some stuff work more naturally and stuff like that. But we we have all seen we've all seen weird paired up with the most straight laced person you've ever seen go to the office every day and they make mm-hmm. that thing work because yeah. they love each other. And they work on that with humility and patience and kindness and all of these kind of biblical virtues that, that go into good relationships. We want that for you. We want a great relationship, whether it's somebody weird and quirky like you or whether it's somebody that, that, that you know, buttons up the starch shirt every day and goes to the office and supports that coffee shop that you want to do and the whole deal. We want that stuff for you, but we want you to work that in a smart way. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. And Jed, if I get you to pick up on this, so there's the... Um, Obviously, a lot of the advice you're getting is uh, you need to move on because mm-hmm. that's the right call. But let's let's give this person their due here. And mm-hmm. if we want to go back in something, if someone is, as Lee's pointing out, we want to have some confirmation on actually changing. Yeah. But if we feel like that's something that may be going on, when we have a relationship that may be faltered before and we want to give that another shot, what are we looking at on that? Well, I think the first thing is a great question. I think the first thing that we need to look at is to recognize um, the old relationship is gone. We are, if it's been two years and, you know, he's had a death in the family and you've been, you know, trying to figure things out, you're two different people today than you were two years ago. Um, Some of those changes may be positive, some of them may be less positive, but it will be a different relationship today, um, Mm -hmm. uh, one way or another. Um, Again, that's not necessarily good or bad, but we want to be clear, if the thing that you want is, I want to recapture what we had, Mm -hmm. you know, two years ago, three years ago. 
that's gone. Say that. Yeah. Um, and that's that's gone forever. That's right. Uh, that's, and I, I don't take pleasure in telling you that, I, but I do want you to hear me on it because it's important to, to getting some freedom. Seasons in life happen and then they're gone. Right. And, and, they, and they don't come back. That's just the nature of time. You Even know? if you rekindle something, it would still be different. Yeah, exactly right. Well, let me give you an example of my own life. I, I am married to my best friend. I have a, a great marriage. I'm very, very blessed, very blessed. My marriage today is very different than in our first year of marriage. Right. Our third year of marriage was very different from our second year. Our right. fourth year is very different from our third year because that's just how life works. Yeah. You know, if I said, you know, it was so amazing in our second year of marriage, I, <laughs> I just wish I could get back to that. That would be a a little weird and right. be kind of a problem because right. you you can't. Right. Um, yeah. But here's the key thing: you can decide, and this is what both uh, Lee and Glenn are pointing to. You can decide we're going to have a great year this year. Right. We're going to put in the work. We're going to put in the focus. We're going to make this year a good year. This year, there's a, a thing. If you're an Office fan, there's a moment where the character Andy says something pretty deep. And it's actually been memefied. So you may have seen it, you know, circling on Tumblr. He says, "I wish there was a way to know you were in the good old days when you still were." Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that's part of what I hear you describe is you feel like these were the good old days, and are they gone? Can we rekindle them? Right. Here's the path to happiness. Make today the good old days. Right. Don't live in the past. Right. Whether it's with yeah. this dude or a new dude, that actually doesn't make any difference. Live today. Right. Live the people make the good old days be today. You can do that. You have the ability to do that. You can you can you can make that decision. I know it sounds weird, but you can actually decide that you're going to start living that way. Here's how here's part of how you do that. And this uh, deals with the anger stuff too. Any relationship, whether it's him or you, whether it's the old guy or someone new, if it's a serious relationship heading towards marriage, you need to feel very confident in the following two things. A, that you know what your issues are and that you are actively working on them and you are seeing progress. And B, that he knows what his issues are and he is actively working on them and he is seeing progress. Right. If you've got two people who love Jesus and love each other and are willing to work at it and are willing to address their issues then the sky's the limit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you have two people who are basically perfect for each other, but aren't willing to work on their issues, this thing has crashed and burned before it got off That's the ground. Right. That's right. Um, I don't care how good it looks. If you have two people that are not willing to work on their individual issues, and I'm not even talking about work on the relationship. They need to be able mm-hmm. to work on that too. But if they're not willing to work on their individual issues, this thing is DOA. That's you, right. You've got to know that. That's really critical. Yeah, yeah. Now, here's one kind of bonus thing as it relates to dude. Lee, I couldn't agree with Lee more on everything he had to say, and particularly on anger and people backsliding off of that. About 99% of the time, here is the sound of a person who is making changes on a deep-seated lifestyle problem. It's hard. Some days it feels overwhelming. Yeah. I'm taking it one day at a time, and uh, that's all I got. Yeah. A, a person who's actually making changes on deep-seated stuff, they sound like that. Right. A person says, oh, I've changed. Yeah. yeah. I'm better, that, man. I'm, I'm, I'm much better now. Right. <laughs> that, that person has not changed. That's right. We deal Amen. with people. It's a different thing, but we deal with people caught up in addiction. When I talk to someone, they say, you know, I'm delivered. Before, (laughs) I loved that sweet, sweet crack, but now I'm much better and delivered. I know that dude is going to backslide in the next six weeks. You you set your watch by it. But when I'm talking with a guy and he says, look, there's not a day that goes by that I don't feel a desire to go out and do something stupid. And 
I've got to keep a tight watch on myself. That's why I make mm-hmm. sure I go to meetings every day. Is I've got to take this one day at a time. I've got to you know be in touch with my sponsor. I you know I'm just I'm taking it one day at a time. I'm getting strength from the Lord to do it, and that's I'm good for today. Now that is a person with a strong future that's in recovery. Right. That's right. And that's the thing. Really, if you want to put a single word on what I'm describing there, it's humility. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what that is. Yep. And that is the thing. A person that knows what their issues are and is working on them is a humble person. Yeah, that's right. Um, if you are not a humble person today, become one. Right. That is the path to peace and happiness in your life. And then seek out a person who is humble because they will make the kind of partner you want. If that's If dude has become a humble person, that's great. If he has not... Find a humble person because you deserve right. it, and that's where happiness lies. And just a, a, a thought to button all this together: uh, it, this is true for Lee, and it's true certainly for Jed and for myself. The, it, it's not true for Matt. Uh, uh, nope. Yet we we nope. have we are all married. Matt is not married. Nope. Uh, if you want to pray about that, make that your major prayer thing. If you're single, I will counteract your prayer. I will uh, cancel it out. (laughs) But here's, here's the thing. Um, if you had asked us when we were single, just before we met our respective wives to sit down and write a list of the unbelievable women we would have to meet in order for her to fit in with what we had in mind. Uh, that would have looked like the most impossible woman yeah. ever. I mean, there was a point, I, I will put Jed on front for you on this. There was a point where Jed said, the woman, in order for me to even consider marrying a woman, she would have to literally walk into the bridge <laughs> where we have our services, present herself, and says, I would love to do this, and I'm single, and that guy playing the music seems pretty adorable. So what are the odds of that? Never going to happen. How many and then <laughs> God heard Jay. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, it turns out, because God loves me, I was the one who met her, oh yep. and she's telling me all these things, and a smile is spreading across my face. The joy. Angels I, are singing, birds oh, are chirping. Oh, it's like, life has never been this good for me, you know. And uh, But here's the thing, it, as as unbelievable as the odds were of that happening. It absolutely happened. And I'm going to put one more thing on top of that. Hallie is so much more than what Jed would have or could have written down in that, in, in that impossible. So the odds are, 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 uh, were astronomical that he ever meet someone who would meet his acceptable standards. But this is a woman so much more than that. Same is true for my wife. Same is true for for Christy. So uh, it's not true for Matt because he's still single. Nope. So just uh, (laughs) pray for that. But (laughs) but uh, I know for you uh, it seems like that is an impossibility, but it super is not. Well, I think there's a really great point to be taken off that. Not that you should pray for me to get married, because you shouldn't. It won't happen. I, but I, you know. there's a great point in that. I say, you know, I, I feel like this is the only person I've ever met who I could see living out this dream with. Um, that's the wrong way to focus on that. That's the right, right way, even though it feels counterintuitive, is to start walking in the direction you want to walk in and see who is walking there. Yeah, If Jed had good. decided, yeah. I'm going to stay home until I meet a woman Thank who you. would like to come yes. to the bridge with me, yeah. he yes. does not meet the woman who shows up at the bridge. That's right. She's not at home, she's there. That's right. So yeah. I know it sounds I, counterintuitive. You have to you have to face that fear sometimes of, I'm going to walk in the direction I'm walking in. I'm going to do my thing if I'm that passionate about it. And if God has someone who meets the criteria and is for me, they will show up along that journey. And yep, that is the right that's way right. to take that. Perfect. 
All right, we're going to take you out of that. We, if you have a question for us, say that podcast, gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumble.com. Check out missionusa.com slash bridgebox. We're taking out the song this week. This is another one of our Pool House Guru tracks. Over the yeah. next seven, over the last year or so, we've had a thing where we have, each week at the bridge, we have four sermons. And most of the time, if you get Bridgebox, you hear Glenn's and mine. You also hear those on the Bridge podcast. But we have a lot of this other great sermon content. And the Pool House Guru decided he might like to start, to start putting those sermons to a beat. You chop them down and make a three-minute song out of them. This is a great one from our friend Steve Johnson, who does uh, some great work with homeless people on the north side of Chicago. It's a very cool ministry called the Blue Sky Cathedral in Rogers Park, Chicago. This is a song that he and the Pulaski Guru collaborated on called He Makes It Art. Take care with that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. The Say That Podcast, we hope you enjoyed this episode in the end. Nice. nice. That was <laughs> third that was, draft. That was the that was a multiple draft. That was third as clean draft. as I could make. Now we already know what God thinks of the world. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And since you're in the world, since we're in the world, we know what God thinks of us. God loves you. God loves you. God is head over heels about you. God loves you. God takes your junk, your mess, and he makes it art. And the greatest art that's ever been created. And the greatest art that's ever been created. God loves you. You don't have to impress God. He already loves you. Because you want to do good. And you mess up. You respond by being anxious, or sad, or feeling guilty, or you withdraw, or you become angry with yourself. And in order to relieve that anxiety, that sadness, that withdrawal, that anger, you find it easier to say, God doesn't love me. God loves you. You don't have to impress God. He already loves you. You don't have to impress God. He already loves you. The Bible says if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive you your sin and purify you of all unrighteousness. You go to the cross, you confess your sin, and as a saint, you acknowledge that the forgiveness is good, that the forgiveness is good for all time, and you grow more and more in godliness. You don't have to impress God. He already loves you, and you grow more and more in godliness. You don't have to impress God. He already loves you. But above all the things that I am, above all the things that I identify as, above all the things that I am, I am a follower of Jesus. And that means that I'm a saint. That's what the Bible calls me. That's the lens I look through. That's what colors my vision. How about you? And you grow more and more in godliness. You don't have to impress God. He already loves you. And you grow more and more in godliness. You don't have to impress God. He already loves you. And you grow more and more in godliness. You don't have to impress God. He already loves you.